Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Last Sunday we talked about competitors, today we're talking about champions. We're going to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you want to stand for the reading of the word, come on, let's be a little Catholic. Get up, come on, come on. Come on, it's up and down, it's up and down. Come on, that's good. Thank you very much. All right, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, there are conceit, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Verse 11, but you, man of God, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Everybody say, fight the good fight of faith. I want to talk to you today on champion men, champion men, second in a series that I have put together in my own spirit and own heart. Would you give the Lord a great hand as you're seated here today? God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. My ministry will not be lengthy. We have several people to baptize, and we do have a quitting point at this church. One of the first things that many young women have to do when embarking on a career in corporate America is to learn a new language. They really do. The language of metaphors from the world of sports, metaphors like swing for the fences, full court press, knockout punch. Let's face it, ladies. Men, for the most part, talk about sports, and they're not going to change and start talking about what you talk about. You've got to get on their bandwagon, because you know men are from Mars, and women are from Venus. Men talk about sports. Women talk about relationships. At least that's what the experts say, and the Apostle Paul was a man, and so occasionally he used language from the world of sports. Consider the text, his letter to Timothy said, he said, fight the good fight of faith. That wouldn't be an extraordinary remark except the fact that most early Christians were pacifists. They refused to fight. They took the Lord literally when he said, turn the other cheek and love your enemy. But Paul was using the language of the world. Fight the good fight, he said. He wasn't telling Timothy to punch out the leader of the persecuting Romans and have a fist fight with him. But he was employing him, the imagery of a determined boxer who goes the full 12 rounds. And even though he may lose a round, he's not going to lose the fight because he's going to be victorious. So what does it mean to fight the good fight of faith? What are the marks of a champion 
from a Christian's perspective. And in the preceding verse, Paul lists qualities that God is looking for in men and in women of faith. And they form a snapshot of the Christ-like individual because they are the marks, the marks of a true Christian champion. So he lists six of them. Now, it sounds like a grocery list. It really does. But I'm not sending you to H-E-B today, I promise. I'm not going to send you to H-E-B with this grocery list of things that I'm going to throw out here. But normally, I would break these down one at a time and, 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 include, and include them and, and make them all separate. But I'm going to try today to kind of bunch them up for you just a little bit, just to bunch them up. And I'm going to, I'm going to break down the first three, and then I'm going to bring the last three. The first three are righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Then godliness. And then there's faith. And we're, going, and we're going to break these down today. We're going to talk about them. There's three things that I need to tell you right now. And I'm not going to be lengthy on it, so get on the horse and let's ride. Righteousness is simply a word, men, that means always doing the right thing. That's all it means. Now, I know the Bible calls our righteousness filthy rags. We have to be plugged into his righteousness. But I will tell you this. You still can make decisions in your life with or without the help of the Lord when you know right from wrong. You can do the things of God. You can make right decisions. And righteousness is nothing more than always wanting to do the right thing. It's the right thing in morality. It's the right thing in decency. It's the right thing in character. Because it's all the good qualities that grow out of a right relationship with God, with your family, with friends, with your neighbors. It's the right thing to do. And this is an absolute minimum requirement, folks. Righteousness is doing the right thing for championship living. Being righteous won't earn you salvation, but it's very difficult to claim a relationship with God if you have not made a commitment to doing the right thing. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Sir Ernest Shackleton, three companions set out for the South Pole way back in 1908. That's about 105 years ago. And even now with all the technology that we have, it's an amazing thing to still be able to go there and get back safe and in one piece. But it, can you imagine that day? They started out with like five or six horses, and they, all those horses died, dropped dead within a week because they were so overloaded, and the, it was so cold and so frigid, the horses could not stand it, and they died. And so Shackleton and his men pressed forward, and, and they realized that they were not going to be able to make it on, on foot, and so they turned around. But turning around and looking back at what they saw ahead of them was even more daring and daunting than what they were pushing toward the South Pole because they realized that they were many, 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 many days away from the base camp that they had left. And 127 days later, somehow, men on foot arrived back at a base camp. And Shackleton was asked later about it, and he said the thing that drove them, because they had such a ration of food, the thing that drove them from where they were back to their base camp was thinking about food all the time said, when we get there, we're going to have a banquet. When we get there, we're going to eat good. When we get there, things are going to be better. And said, every step sometimes was food, 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 food. And he said, the thing that drove us was knowing that one day, if we pushed ourselves to the limit, if we pushed ourselves, he said, can you imagine? It colored everything. Hunger was such an obsessive thing of us. It colored everything. It, all of our thoughts, all of our conversations were colored with that thing called food. I remember a Jesus one day saying this to a bunch of people. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, after making the right decision. 
If you hunger and thirst enough, it can color your whole thought process. It can create something in your mind. You know, you can't think of a positive and a negative at the same time. You either think positive or you think negative. And you need to let the positive of wanting to be a righteous man overwhelm the negative of saying, I can't get there. You need to be a positive, proactive person about it and say, I'm going to make the right decision. For when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. Shackleton said when we got back, we had a banquet every night. Said we ate and ate and ate and ate and got so sick of eating, we didn't want to eat anymore. But said it took a long time. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. There is something that you can hunger for. And men, if you want to be a champion man, you need to hunger for the fact that you need to make the right decisions in life. Clap your hands to that and rejoice. The second thing, the second thing is godliness. Now, you don't hear that word a lot anymore, godliness, godly, godly. What is a godliness? Godliness simply, simply defined is simply this. It's a self-conscious sense of God's presence. Godly men are men that seek the presence of God. That's all it's about. That's all it's about. This morning I got so tickled in first service because I was preaching. I was talking to men and women were on their feet saying, preach to them, pastor. I'd like to have some men helping me in this session if that's all right with you. Amen. I, I, I love men. I love men who have a, an approach to God that says, you know what? I love church. I love to bring my family to church. I love to bring my kids to church. I love to bring my family to the presence of the Lord. But more than anything, I want to get in the presence of the Lord myself. I think that we're in a day we're in a day where Hollywood is emaciating men and people are talking negative against the man of the family and against men in general. And there's an emaciation process going on among men in our world. But in the church of the living God, God still wants men everywhere to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting and still bless the Lord. Amen. I believe with everything that's in my heart that we need men that are not afraid to carry their Bible. We need men that are not afraid to stand up and be a witness. We need men, 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 men that may be cool and may be chic and may be tough, but we need men that will be strong in the favor and the honor of Almighty God. Come on, that's godliness. That's godliness. I read a story about a man named Coy Pugh. Coy was a, Coy was a, a, a career criminal. He was a kid that was raised in a dysfunctional family. He didn't have a lot of hope, a lot of help in his life. He really didn't. And he was put in prison at a very young age for 18 months. Drugs, alcohol. He was a total alcoholic by the time he was 16 years old. And Coy was a kid that just didn't think he could ever make it. And said, he said, when I got in jail, he said, there was two things I could have done. Number one, he said, I could have, I could have escaped. He said, I, I could have escaped from all realism and tried to be a better criminal so the next time when I did a crime, I wouldn't get caught. He said, or I could. What I could do is isolate myself and say, God, I'm going I'm to get close to you. I need some help. And he said, I did the latter. He said, I, I, I plugged into God. He said, nobody ever talked to me about God, but said somebody gave me a Bible. And he said, I plugged into God. I started reading the Bible. I started getting alone with God. I started getting close to God. Then I started appreciating his presence. And Coy got out after 18 months, and he never went back. But you know what he's doing now? You know what he's doing now? He's pastoring a large church in Chicago, Illinois. He's pastoring a great church in Chicago, Illinois. You know what else? 
he became a representative of the state of Illinois, a state representative. You know why? Uh, a U.S. representative. You know why? Because there's some time in your life when you've got to grab a hold of godliness and say, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to do. And you'll, you, you can't imagine how God can turn your downs to your ups and turn your nights to days and turn your off switch to an on switch when you get in his presence and say, God, I'm not trying to be a better person by myself. I want you to help me be a better person. And that's called godliness, becoming a godly, godly man. That's a champion spirit. That's a champion spirit. And then the third one, the third one, I've got to hurry because they want to baptize. They're back there nervous right now. The third one was what I call faith. Paul said faith. Paul said the third mark of a great champion Christian is faith. Everybody say faith. Now, I'm not trying to be redundant here, but godliness and faith are not the same thing. And it's a mistake that some people make. You can, meet, you can meet the definition of godliness, spending hours each day reading your Bible and communing with God, but that doesn't mean you're a person of faith. Because it, the only currency, oh God, Lord, I could preach you. The only currency that God operates in is not your pity party. It's not you're feeling sorry for yourself. It's not you're saying, God, I tell you what, I, if I just had their, their luck, I'd be better. He don't operate that way. The only currency he operates in is a currency called faith. And the Bible says, very plain, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'd like you men to go out of here roaring today like you're coming out of a tunnel playing a Super Bowl today. Go out of here today and say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ. I can achieve. I can win. I can achieve. I can be something. I can make it happen. My family's not going under. My family's going under. My job is not going under. My job's going over. My house is not going under. It's going over. My life in Christ is not going under. It's going over. I'm a winner in Jesus Christ. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. You've got to speak. Now faith. Listen, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, Hebrews 11 said, By faith our ancestors received approval. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called and set up out for a place that he was not was to receive an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. The church is not built by people of just righteousness and godliness. The church is built by people of faith. That's why Hebrews 11th chapter is so powerful because all those people had faith. And even though some of them didn't see their dead raised to life, and even though some of them didn't get what they looked for, they, they, they still believed until their dying day. It does not matter, folks, what comes your way. It does not matter what happens to you. You've got to get up every morning and say, I believe God. I trust God. I honor God. I reverence God. And I'm going to be a man of faith in my life. I, I tell you what, I, I, I tell you what, it just bugs the fire out of me to hear somebody say, well, I tell you, I'm just about to throw in the towel. <laughs> really? Really? You know, Jesus told Simon one day, he said, Simon, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. How come, Lord? Because I don't want to see your faith fail. That's why I prayed for you, so your faith wouldn't fail. He didn't say your fishing business may not go under. He didn't say your house might be refinanced and taken from you. He didn't say that your car, you might lose your, your lead donkey. He didn't say any of that. He said, I just prayed for you that your faith 
wouldn't fail. If you've got faith, you've, you've got everything you need in life. Because you have a currency that moves the kingdom of God. Would somebody say amen and clap your hands to that all over this house? Faith still works. Hudson Taylor, who went into China, said, Unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. You need to step out on the wings of God and say, God Almighty, I'm moving because you are my God and I trust you with my life. That is faith. And then there's three more I want to share with you. And then we're going to go to the house and watch some baptism. The, third, the fourth one is love. Everybody say love. love. The fifth one is endurance. Say endurance. endurance. The sixth one is gentleness. Say gentleness. I just kind of, I kind of grouped these together. I could have put one, three, and five, and two, four, and six, but I decided to just put them in this order. Everybody say love. love. Everybody say endurance. endurance. Everybody say gentleness. That's the way it works. So what is love? Oh, I know what love is. A old boy told his wife one day, he said, I told you I loved you at the altar. And if it ever changed, I'd let you know. So don't be bugging me about telling you every day I love you. <laughs> and then there's the chauvinist, you know, these chauvinist guys, you know, these chauvinist guys. Wife looked over to her husband one day. She said, honey, when we first got married, we used to sit real close. He said, who moved? <laughs> I'm still driving the car. You moved. I love chauvinist men. They're just, they're, they're, so, they're so ugly. They're just so ugly. It's just neat to watch them fall all over themselves. Why don't you take the C out of it? Just, 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 just quit being a chauvinistic somebody. You're not being cute by being a chauvinist. Amen. I promise you, you can get a whole lot more being a man of honey than a man of vinegar. Ladies, I'm helping you. Snapping, snapping little turtles. Barking dogs. Thinking they're still pitching in the big leagues, throwing things in the house. Kicking the dog. Ain't no place for a champion Christian. Woo! Oh, I'm getting on it right now. Love is an action word. It's a verb. And when you love, you have love one too. You don't just think I love them. You have love to them and for them. Next Sunday is Father's Day. Hey, Dad, why don't you just all week long be a sweet, kind, honey dude husband. You're liable to get a cheeseburger next Sunday that you didn't have to cook. How about just being a man of righteousness and godliness and faith and love your family it's okay to love your family it's okay to love your kids it's okay to love your neighbor it's okay to love your wife it's okay to fall in love again today i thought wives would just be going crazy on this you know coy coy pew not only is he a pastor not only is he a senator now or was a senator but Corey Pugh goes back to prisons now, and he talks to people. He, he, there's a lot of folks have love for the incarcerated. A lot of people have love for the homeless. And a lot of people have love for the, for the disinterested people of society and the under-the-bridge people. But a lot of people don't show that love. But Corey shows it. That's, that's love. That's real love. When you show love, that's love. It's not just when you think love. It's when you show love. We got people in this church, one named Tom Cook. 
23 years ago came to me and said, I want to go to prisons. And I said, I won't be encouraging you. He said, I don't care. I'm going to go tell the gospel to the prisoners. And for 23 years, Tom's been preaching in the prisons every week. And he's got a whole cast of people now helping him. Tom Revisa sitting here, goes to prisons every week. Lucy Herrera back there goes to prisons all the time. Christy, Christy Hawkins goes to prisons. Uh, Mike Shelley goes to prisons. You know what? We have 300 to 400 to 500 people every week hear the gospel of CLC and the gospel of Jesus Christ because somebody don't just think love, somebody shows love. <laughs> Dr. Robert Schuler said, find a need and fill it and find a hurt and heal it. That's how you're going to be a success in life. You've got to show it. You've got to just, you've got to do more than think it. And then the fifth one is a word that I call endurance. This is the one that I really, I really want to talk about because the Bible said that the battle is not to the strong and the race is not to the swift. But Jesus said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. There are people that have been knocked down in their fight of life. Perhaps cancer has knocked you down. Perhaps a divorce has knocked you down. Perhaps something has knocked you down. Financial problems have knocked you down, and you have staggered. I remember watching a fight several years ago on TV. I watched this fight of a boxer, and I'm not even a boxing fan because I saw, I saw Boom Boom Mancini kill Dooku Kim, and I quit watching boxing. It just broke my heart. I saw a man get killed in a ring one day. But I saw this boy fighting, and he was knocked down, and he was whipped. He was whipped. And his manager pulled out the, pulled out the white towel and was fixing to throw it in the ring, and he was already waiting, but he was throwing it, going to throw it in the ring. And the boxer had enough sense to say, no, 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 laying on his back, no, no, no. And he got up, took the stand, and I took a count of ten or eight, and stood up and wiped his gloves off, and something got in him. Something got in him. He said, if I'm going to wave off the towel, I better show some endurance in the ring. And he whipped that old boy, and then the next round, the other guy was down, and he didn't get up. Here's the point. It doesn't matter how many times you're knocked down. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Oh, can I preach to you right now? Somebody has got to have some endurance. Let me just tell you like a preacher told me one time when I went to him with all my pain and hurt and sorrow because I didn't have a preacher dad and I didn't, nobody liked me. And I, he said, get over it. Get over it. Get up and go to preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel with all you got. And I'm going to tell you, man, if you want to be a champion, if you want to be a champion Christian man, when you get knocked down on your job, when you get knocked down by situations in life, you got to get back up. Because you may lose a round, but you can still win the fight. You may lose a round, but you can still win Everybody say endurance. 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 He that endures to the end shall be saved. And then, let me complete it today with a word called gentleness. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that gentleness is the last word that Paul used here. But gentleness, what is gentleness? 
And the, and the best definition I can come up with, just a simple definition, is expressing who you are to somebody who's not where you are. Expressing who you are to someone who is not where you are. That's what I call gentleness. Gentleness is the expression of the presence of God, the love of God, the peace of God that you have that maybe they hadn't witnessed yet. That's what gentleness is. In the awful days of apartheid, South Africa, I closed today. There lived a judge named Jan Christian Oliver. And Oliver was a white man who was invited to a black church for a Holy Week worship service. It was on a Thursday. And he risked his whole career by attending that service during that horrible racial tension time in South Africa. Because racial mixing in those days was strictly unaccepted in that troubled society. So Oliver discovered that the service that night, on top of him just being there, was a foot washing service. Boy, it's quiet now. It was not the kind of service the judge was expecting, but being the kind of man he was and the kind man he was, he participated in the foot washing. And the pastor brought him up, and a woman came forward to have her feet washed. Her name was Martha Fortune. Ironically, she had been a maid in the judge's home. She cleaned his house for the last 30 years. It was his maid. Kneeling at her feet, the judge was touched by how weary and disfigured her feet had become from years of serving the needs of his own household. And he was so moved, he held her feet with his gentle hands, and then he stooped down and kissed her feet. That's what you call gentleness. It's a word that's foreign to a lot of people. This unexpected show of love and respect, this maid, Martha Fortune, fell weeping as did many others in the room. And the newspapers got wind of the story and Oliver lost his judgeship. His political career was ruined. But Jan Christian Oliver will tell you might have lost everything politically that night but on that night he said I found my soul and if you've ever identified gentleness with weakness you've got it all wrong sometimes it takes an inordinate strength to be gentle so you want to be a champion of faith is that what you want to be you got to make the right decisions. you got to love the presence of God. You've got to operate on the only currency he understands, and that's faith. You've got to show love when love is necessary and needed. You've got to endure some things. You've got to be a gentle person. That is six marks of a Christian champion. Paul said it. Go ahead and clap your hands. That's all right. I hear it. Mike Krzyzewski. Mike Krzyzewski's wonderful success at Duke University and with the Olympic team is really overshadowed by the fact that his mother was such a fabulous woman. His mother 
did everything with a personal signature on it, a personal signature, he called it. He said, my mama used to make us chocolate chocolate chip cookies. He read, he, I read this from the book, Leading from the Heart. He said, she used to make us chocolate chip cookies. And she, he said, my mama always had a signature move. When we were poor, she put three chips, three chocolate chips on our cookies. When we had more money, she put four. But if you ever got a cookie that had two, it wasn't my mama's. Because mama never downgraded. She always upgraded. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a pastor that makes the right choices. I want to be a pastor that loves his presence. I want to be a pastor that believes in the faith of God and preaches the faith of God and sees the faith of God in action. I want to be a pastor that loves people and shows that love to people. I want to be a pastor that has an enduring spirit that won't quit at the first thing that goes wrong in my life. But most of all, I want to be a gentle man. I want to be a gentle man. That's all it's about, folks. That's, you don't have to. Somebody told me one time, said, Pastor, I don't feel like I can come to this church because I don't play good golf. What? What? Said, I feel like to be in this church, I've got to be a good golfer. God have mercy. And I took them, I took them just like this, just grabbed them just like this. I said, you can hit every ball out of bounds. A good golfer don't make you a good man. I'm not talking about athletic achievement. I'm talking about spiritual achievement in the kingdom of God. I'm talking about that. Pastor, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd fit in this church because you know, you know, I'm not a good talker. Just, just come with me. You don't have to talk. I'll do it all for you. We'll go to lunch and I'll talk to you. We'll have a good time. You don't have to, you don't have to know how to talk. Just come on. Love the presence of God. Love being a righteous man. Love the fact that you have faith in your heart. Love the fact that you love the things of God. Love the fact that you can endure and love the fact that you can be a gentle man. That's what it's about. Champions, champions, champions. That's what it's all about, champions. We're champions. We're men and women with championship blood. And we never downgrade our chips. We always upgrade. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.